All right. All right. We are we back, back here this evening with the Home Field Advantage podcast. This is Big Mo on the line. I have Action Jackson here with me. Action, how you doing on this beautiful Sunday evening? Uh, doing fantastic. Uh, we have several reasons to be excited about being Hog fans once again, but none greater than what we witnessed Wednesday night, my friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a... I mean, marquee. I don't think is the right word. It was. It was really a uh, one for the one to remember. It was a win to remember. Any win over the Duke Blue Devils in basketball at any time of the year, even November, is uh, that's one to really savor. And um, you know, it was only sweeter knowing that we didn't even have our best player, Traymon Mark, who scored thirty-four points in that loss to North Carolina last Friday, that he was not even available. So even without our best player, we were able to take on the number seven team in the country and not just beat them, but except for the last two or three minutes of the game, really beat them convincingly and uh, in a way that was really never in doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, in front of a home crowd that was just uh, raucous all night long and, you know, uh, we can we can actually say that that two of probably our best wins that we've had in our program's history have now come against Duke. I mean, there's a lot of great games that we played, but I would have to put this one very high up on the list with the with the '94 championship game over the over these guys as well. It really is, you know, being a nationally televised game with a record crowd at home, the first time Duke has ever visited Fayetteville, um, that, that's a really sweet win. You had a lot of you, of course, Nolan Richardson was in the crowd, Scotty Thurman was in the crowd. Uh, two football coaches who we will get to later were both in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> Very excited to get to that segment, but really want to focus here on on the basketball game. And uh, I mean, I, I honestly did not see this one coming. We were reeling reeling from a loss to Memphis and a loss to North Carolina. Um, but I tell you what, I got to give you credit, Jackson. You saw it coming. You uh, saw it coming I, the whole way. Well, I I, I did, and you know I. I didn't see it coming in this fashion. I mean, I think we well, pushed I, out to what a, a 15 point lead at one time in the uh-huh. second half, and it just, uh, man, it was just a, it was a remarkable game. Uh, over and over again, the announcers kept saying just a remarkable atmosphere, and I've I've got to give the fans credit for showing up and and, and showing showing Duke what it really means to go on the road and play a basketball game because that that Duke team won't play in an atmosphere like that probably again, uh, unless they go to the NBA somewhere, they probably won't meet that atmosphere again as basketball players. Yeah, I don't, I mean, uh, that put, that reminded everyone what Bud Walton can be at its best. Absolutely. And, um, man, uh, seeing all the kids storming the court after the game, I think it was just a lot of pent-up frustration from football season and then from dropping three or four or three of the last five in basketball, you're starting to think basketball slipping away. And then you've got Duke coming into town without your best player. You're expecting to take a loss. Um, I was expecting to take a loss. And, and then you just 
handle them, handle them shorthanded against all odds. It was just sweet. It was sweet. But I tell you, I, absolutely, it, it yeah. absolutely was sweet. And you know, to get that win in, in November, and, and and it just it, it shows me that this team right here has got a lot of grit. Uh, without actually, without as you pointed out to me, really two of our best players were. One was inactive, and, and the other one was basically a non-factor, which was Devontae Davis, and, and we still beat these guys. And so what are we going to do when we jail and get it all together? Uh, you know, the, could, could be could be a really great year for us. It sure could be. Well, I, I just want to point out, though, that, that everybody was down on us, but Action Jackson, you saw it coming, man. And you called it on this podcast last week, and we've, we've got the – Recording to prove it. Uh, shall we, shall play, we the play the tape? Oh, oh man! By, by all means, uh, let's let's uh, let's take a walk down memory lane. But I think we're gonna see. I don't know why I think this way. I know we're just happened the Bahamas. I know we lost to Greensboro, but there's something in my gut telling me that the team that shows up tomorrow night, Duke's not ready for it. That's what I see. That's that's what I'm I'm feeling. Duke's just not gonna be ready. And sometimes in basketball, mm-hmm. you show up on your team. You might have a great team, but they show up one night and they're not ready and the other team is, and that's what happens to them. They get beaten, especially when you go on the road. Well, there you have it, folks. folks. Action Action Jackson Jackson making a prophetic call that Duke was not going to be ready for Arkansas, especially on the road. And I think that is exactly what we saw on Wednesday night. Absolutely. And, you know, and and I think – for once, we had the upper hand in coaching. I mean, Cody, I can't, I can't take any credit for that, that unbelievable job that Coach Musselman did to coach those guys to get ready for that game. That preparation time, when you give Mus that preparation time, and you're going to come into Bud Walton expecting to walk away with a victory, not so fast, my friends. It's not happening. We're 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 going to win, and this season we we might get a lot of those wins. Uh, you know and. And uh, it, it's just a great feeling uh, right now, for sure. Absolutely. And the coaching job for us just can't be understated, or, or it can't be overstated, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's from two perspectives. Number one, you have to motivate your team. After losing a tough game against North Carolina, losing by double digits, in which you really didn't even have a chance down the stretch, you were – you were beat, and to, and to come home from a long road trip, having lost two in a row, and to motivate your team and just make them believe that with, and not to mention, not it's not just losing the games, but losing your best player on the court right there. Absolutely. All the emotions that go with that, not just feeling for your teammate, but also not having that important piece of your team, and to, to make your team even believe that they have a chance to beat Duke at home like that when when all odds are stacked against you and everything's looking down that's a, that's a achievement right there just the believing belief part but to also actually put together a game plan and a strategy um the the, the strategy part the to the uh, execution part of the game uh he just did it to perfection. He did it to perfection. You got to have both. You got to have the belief, but then you also have to go out and you got an extra game plan. And the game plan we put on their center, Filipowski, in the first half, to me, was really a, a major difference in the game. 
um, held him to, I believe, three points in the first half. He had 26 overall, so he definitely came alive in the second half. Right. But the um, the damp, I mean, the the containment that we did in the first half, half with him, uh, it paid dividends. Yes, it did. And you know, and and again, you know, I, I can't I can't say enough about the crowd. You know, you, you mentioned storming the court at the end of the game, and which is a fine we'll we'll gladly pay uh, uh, over and over again if we have to. But but that that crowd was such a factor. It just seemed like Duke was rattled from from the opening tip and and, and throughout the game. And so I, I have to give credit to the fans again. That that home court advantage really really paid dividends for our team and. Uh, you know, you, you pointed something out to me that, that I would like you to reiterate on about this, this show that our, our team's doing a lot of growing and, uh, you know, playing without our, two of our best players. It, it uh, just really, really spoke volumes for me for the season going forward. Yes, absolutely. And, um, again, what, what amazed and, and what, what, it amazes me, and it just impresses me how Muss, he doesn't, he's not like a, a, a typical coach, I think, most typically. They, they've got a starting five. They roll them out, and those are their five best players, and they're going to play them most of the time, and they're going to fill in subs when they need it. Musselman doesn't look at it that way. He, I feel like he looks at every player as kind of like a mechanic looks at a tool set. There's certain tools you need for certain jobs, and, and and you don't need the same tools for every job. He uses th- those players like tools, and, and he used last night. Chandler Lawson was a huge part of the game in shutting down Duke's big man and limiting their, uh, their points in the paint. And you actually said it before on last week's podcast. You said, we're not going to get beat in the paint. You're not worried about that. We've been getting beat by perimeter shooting. And I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, But that's the thing. Duke expected to come in and dominate in the paint like they do every other team. But Musselman, he is exceptional at finding ways. They did that against Kansas, too. Obviously, they did that against Gonzaga when they had their their uh, uh, All-American Chet... um, Help me out, Chet Holmgren, uh, back in back in the Sweet 16 two years ago. He's adept at finding a way when when you when you're outmanned by a big man, he's adept at finding a way to shut that guy down. And um, what I noticed, what I was frankly shocked by, was I I thought we were going to use um, uh, McKee mostly to to shut him down, and he only played. Yeah, I'm sorry, Makai. We're going to use Makai Mitchell to uh, to shut him down, uh, shut down their big man mostly. He only played nine minutes in the game. Yeah. And, and also, I think you've already alluded to, but Devo Davis, he only played at about half the game, only 23 minutes. Again, he's one of the five best players on Arkansas's team, especially with Mark out, but he wasn't the tool that was needed for the job. No, he wasn't. And, you know, I think you kind of – I don't know if you actually threw out a player of the game uh, in our earlier discussions, but I, I, my, my player of the, of the game, and, and I've been harping on him for this young season, is Estrebon Brazil for me. Uh, the, you know, 19 points, 11 rebounds, uh, 
it's Trevon Brazil for me, uh, but just the overall team effort, you know, it's hard to really, when you beat a team like that, it's hard to really just single in yes. on one guy. It's just, just a total team effort, but if I had to give a player a game, it's got to be Trevon Brazil for me. I agree with that. Yeah, Trayvon Brazil. And, um, of course, we had Battle had 21 points. He led us in scoring, and he had a rock-solid game, too. Basically just stepped up right in Mark's shoes and and took over where he left off uh, with handling the scoring. And, of course, he did miss three free throws in the game, but I love how he's a great free throw shooter. He's a 90% career free throw shooter. And... um, I feel great when he's at the line. He actually had a poor night, and and we got out shot by Duke at the free throw line, which you would expect. But what you don't expect is to get out shot by Duke at the free throw line, and be up by twelve points with you know five minutes or something to play. Exactly. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, just a complete team effort on offense and defense, moving the ball. Um, and like you said, the crowd. The crowd was such right. a huge factor in that game. Um, and, wonderful and victory. You know, it, you know something that something that you you hit on before is, and I think this is Hurst in the NCAA tournament was uh, was quality depth. And I think that's what you've seen on Wednesday yes. night was we we don't just have depth right now. We have we have qual we have quality depth. Yes. At, uh, at all positions and. I just think that, you know, if this success continues, it's, it's going to be very tough to beat this Razorback team as the season goes on. I agree. And I, I think it really is one of those extra wins that puts Arkansas on the map. The reason we even get to play this game against Duke is because people want to see that game because Arkansas has built a name for itself with three consecutive trips to the second weekend of the tournament, three years in a row. And getting these big wins over teams like Kansas, teams like Gonzaga, and now we can say a team like Duke, there's not many teams out there who can say that, who can say that they've beaten a Duke, a Kansas, and a Gonzaga all in the past three years. Those are, you know, huge wins. Two number one seeds in back-to-back years in the tournament, and and in both years, uh, or in two of the past three years, we we were eliminated from the NCAA tournament, of course, by the eventual national champions. So Arkansas has moved into really maybe the number two spot as far as prestige goes in the SEC. It would either be them or Tennessee. You know, I mean, it would either be us or Tennessee as far as, you know, you think. And I think we've, we've – We've moved past Florida. I think if you're looking at which team you get up for playing more, uh, Arkansas or Florida in basketball right now, I think more people get up for Arkansas. I think you say, you know, and and it's it's a real testament to what Muss has done, both building the program and in coaching in the games. You know, and and this kind of win, you know, this is the kind of win that that Coach Muss needs to – to really put him not only on the SEC Coach of the Year map for later on, but but also for National Coach of the Year. Uh, that's the kind of win you have to have to, to have those kind of accolades. And one more thing about the basketball game, you know, I know they they stormed the court, but I, I just want to give credit to whoever uh, whoever's in charge of making sure that you know nobody was hurt. You know, the the Duke players and Duke staff got out of there safely. Nobody got ran over. No accidents happened. 
So kudos and, and props to whoever's in charge of the university making sure that the other team, you know, gets gets away. And uh, that's what the announcers, you know, they were harping on, you know, making sure Duke got out of there safely, and that's exactly what happened. So props to whoever takes care of that uh, up there on the hill as well. Yeah, and I, I completely support the storming of the court. We, we needed that. The fan base needed that. That was just such a release of frustration and disappointment that we've had, especially in the football season and um, and early early here in the basketball season. And it, it's really a testament to how big of an upset it was. Right. Uh, without your best player, uh, basically against the ropes like that, and just, just, I was finding it hard to conceive of how Arkansas could win that game, but they really never, they never trailed. I don't, I don't know if you ever trailed, except for maybe in the very early minutes of the game. Right. And um, I think we only got, man, that, uh, I think we only got down by maybe three points. I, I think maybe a three or five point deficit. I, I don't even remember because when you're up that big in the second half against Duke and. You don't even remember the deficits, so I couldn't. I couldn't actually tell you. And and looking forward, now all we have to do is, is avoid a, a a letdown game. Because after that, you know that's the worst thing that can happen to you. I don't think we have a letdown coming against Lipscomb. I, I don't. I don't foresee that. But you know, it, it's just something we have to avoid right now because we have another big test uh, coming up after that one against Oklahoma. So we just need to take care of business right now. Uh, calm back down and, and go and, and keep playing Razorback basketball because that's what we seen on Wednesday. That was Razorback basketball at its finest, and uh, just look forward to to what happens throughout the season. Okay. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. definitely. That, was that was Razorback basketball at its finest for sure. So, with that said, uh, and again, I'm I'm definitely looking forward. We have Oklahoma coming up. I believe is our next game. Am I right? Do we have another game well, in between? We have uh, we have uh, Lipscomb tomorrow night. Uh, we have no, no, Lipscomb. not Lipscomb. I know we got Lipscomb on the sixteenth. Probably uh, do we have another little one, another uh, small team coming in. Uh, I think it's Lipscomb on the fourth. Uh, if I remember right, and then uh, we'll I know Lips, uh, Lipscomb is the one we play in Little Rock on December sixteenth. Uh, tomorrow night is going to be Furman. Not, not tomorrow night, but um, yes, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, Furman. Monday night, going to be Furman. Okay, I was, so I was Furman's mistaken. coming in. I was mistaken. Furman, and then uh, and then Oklahoma on Saturday. So uh, yep. definitely, definitely want to take care of Furman and uh, and play a great game against Oklahoma. Uh, from now on, the rest of the season, you're using that you're using that Duke recipe against anybody you play because you know if you if it works against Duke and. And those All-Americans that they have, it, it will work against anybody on the rest of the schedule, I, I can assure you of that. Absolutely. And Oklahoma, I would point out, is ranked. They're in the right. top 25. Arkansas has, has currently not ranked. We have, have fallen out of the top 25. Uh, we may be ranked tomorrow morning. In fact, I expect we honestly we better be. I would say I would say somewhere probably uh, – I, I, maybe as high as maybe 22, maybe in that range. I, I don't know how much higher we would go since we fell out so uh, drastically with those three losses uh, that we had uh, in, in a row. But uh, I would say we're definitely back in there tomorrow. Yeah, we, we definitely should be. But like 
uh, with Oklahoma, that's going to be a big game. It's not just a, a name team without much substance. That's a ranked team who we're basically seeing as being even with, and we're going to be playing them back in Bud Walton. So another chance to put a quality win that's going to look good at the end of the season when the committee's uh, judging seating uh, on, our, on our resume. Absolutely. So... With that being said, let's move on to the, the big news that uh, Razorback football fans heard. Uh, I believe it was the day after we did our podcast uh, this past week. Uh, I think it was on this Wednesday, November Wednesday, uh, after Thanksgiving, yeah, November 30th. And yeah. that's when the Arkansas Razorbacks Hunter Yurichek announced our new offensive coordinator is going to be, drum roll please, (laughs) one and only Bobby Petrino is coming back to the state of Arkansas. Welcome back, Bobby. Yes, definitely welcome back, Bobby. Uh, You know, I I think I would go on here on record as saying that uh, I'm definitely, I'm I'm not a fan of, of of Bobby Petrino, the the individual, but as far as play calling and coaching, uh, what a hire! Uh, last year we went and took care of the defense, and this year we went and took care of the offense. So, as Coach Pittman would say, I'm going to rob a, a quote of him that I don't even like when he uses it. But now we can that we're going to roll the ball out there, boys, and you guys come see what happens because now now you got to now you got to deal with something when you come play Arkansas. And that's what, that's what people, I mean, I think we put some fear back in folks because they remember what happened when Bobby was here the last time. So welcome back, Bobby, for sure. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Um, uh, just like you said, not a fan of Bobby the individual, but, you know, uh, a lot, there's a lot of people out there who have flaws. Uh, you know, Bobby's, I, I was never a fan of letting Bobby go to begin with from, from the, again, I, I was, wasn't a fan with him before he started coaching. Uh, you know, he had some, you know, personality issues and things, but I think the, the great, um, yeah, even without the, the scandal and all that, but, uh, when it comes down to coaching and, and, and winning football games, I know he's effective at doing that. And, and that's really what, you know, at the end of the day, do you want to have somebody who you love but you, but, but, but loses every week? And, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, this is the perfect spot for him is you put, you, you put him in a spot where he, hey, he coaches, but he doesn't have to be in front of the microphone at the end of the game. That's Sam Pittman's job, and Sam is wonderful at that. He's wonderful at that. That's his forte is going to the microphone and giving good answers and being respectful and, and, and just doing a stand-up class act job of being a human being first and a football coach second. Right. And, and then you have Bobby, who, who is, uh, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a football coach first, first and then maybe seven or eight other things and then a human being way down the line. You know, and I'm not saying that's an insulting way. I mean, some that's just you know, I, I don't. Sometimes the truth hurts. 
sometimes the truth hurts, but hey, it's, those people, there's a, there's a place for those people too in, in, in Fayetteville, okay? There's, there's a place for, and, and I think the university, when they first came out with the news, I don't know about you, Jackson, but my reaction was, you're telling me I suffered, we suffered for 12 years for nothing when when you when you could do he could have been here the whole time you just hired him back he could have never left and we could have been you know we were 21 and six in the in the last two years that he coached and um you know you're telling me that 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 was all for nothing but i thought about it more and i realized having him away from the university in 12 years that is punishment that is, yeah. you know, sends a message that right. certain behavior is not going to be tolerated at the university. And 12 years is probably a, enough time to uh, to be gone to, for that message to be sent effectively. It doesn't have to be a lifetime ban, you know. I think it works. It, wor- it, it balances the, the morals of the university with also the realization of, look, we we need you. I mean, we've we've looked hard, <laughs> high and low, and and you and, know you know we we, we, got, we nothing. got nothing. We 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 basically uh, we we can't find somebody to replace Bobby Petrino, and we want you back. And just so happened the timing was good for him with Jimbo Fisher leaving and new coach coming in who didn't appreciate him like I know we will. Um, it it just worked out. Yeah. You know, you said you said a whole lot there, and you know, it, it's just it's, it's the opposite side of the perfect storm we just went through in football season because it was a disaster. It was, you know, it was it was miserable. But when a storm goes through, it, it tends to clean up things that other things don't clean up. And now we're on the opposite side of that storm, and we've got Bobby back, and this reached dividends for us immediately but I'm going to say within the next three years we're going to see something that that might might be history making. I'm just going to say the next three years and uh, we're, we're just going to we're going to see what's going to happen you know expanded playoff there's a there's a lot of things that can happen with the SEC growing and uh it, it's just going to be it, it's a good feeling you, you got a win over Duke you got a the best, in my mind, the best offensive coordinator in college football back on the hill. So let's just see what happens, Razorback Nation. Get behind us, and we'll keep moving forward. Yeah, and, and just like you said, Jackson, I, I uh, um, well, well, the, you know, of course, Bobby, we, I mentioned, alluded to it earlier, but Bobby and Sam were both sitting side by side at that Razorback game, which I think it made it even sweeter because in one moment you had – what I believe, and, and I think you're right, is the rise of the football program along with the further rise of the basketball program in a single night. You had it all there together, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was Absolutely. beautiful. Yes, sir. And so, yeah, I, I think definitely going to have recruit. It's going to help recruiting, number one, but I don't put just a huge amount of stock in recruiting. I think that regardless of the players that come in, I think that Bobby's system, we're going to be effective. 
we're going to be a lot more effective than we have been, which that's a low bar. That's a low bar. But I'm talking we could be, especially with, with our, our defense being where it's at, which is strong and probably going to get stronger. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking for, like you said, big things with the expanded playoff. I definitely think, with, like you said, in the next three years, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm expecting to be threatening for the top 12 within within the next three years, well, which is a long way from where we are. And one thing about it, normally when you have such a, a monumental coach come in, you're normally dealing with the total rebuild. We're not dealing with the total rebuild situation because of the transfer portal and the NIL and stuff. We've seen what we could do on defense and how much better the defense got this last year. Now we, we make some improvements on the offensive line and – we get a couple of these, which which Bobby Petrino is going to make players like Isaiah Zetania automatically better. We remember what he did with, uh, with with Jarius Wright in the same position. So he, he's going to make players that are already on the team better, including quarterback. Let's not leave out quarterback. He's got, whoever's the quarterback at Arkansas, whether KJ was decided to come back or if it's uh, if it's if it's uh, Chriswell or whoever it may be, the quarterback's going to get better under Petrino. So it's yes. not going to be no vanilla offense anymore. You're not going to know, oh, well, they're fixing to run it to the right. So let's overload on that side. You don't know what Bobby's going to run. You don't yes. know where, where it's coming from, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yes, and that's the biggest thing that Bobby Petrino brings to the table that he brought in the past. And I think the biggest thing any offensive coordinator can bring, college or NFL level, and that's unpredictability is with Bobby Petrino, you never can be sure what play is coming. And sometimes he's just going to flat out surprise you. A lot of times he's going to just exploit you when you're the most vulnerable. Fourth and one, critical point in the game. You know it's going to be a run up the middle. They line up in an eye formation. And what does Bobby do? He throws a bomb down the sidelines for a walk-in touchdown. Things like that. Well, then nobody would see coming. It's almost crazy. But yep. he'll do it sometimes because, and the same way with, you know, compare him to Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn will do that sometimes too. Have a lot of respect for Gus Malzahn. And, of course, I would be just as excited if he was hired as an offensive coordinator. But guess what? Guys like Gus Malzahn are head coaches. Guys like Bobby Petrino should be head coaches. There's no way Bobby Petrino should just be a coordinator. The only way he is is because he has a lot of uh, personal problems that prevent him from being the face of a university's football program. And, you know, and and that's exactly why it's such a steal to get him and to put him in a position where he doesn't have to be the face of the program. He doesn't have to deal with these press conferences and all this, this, this talking and massaging of egos and management of, of personalities in the locker room, which is an important part of being a coach and something that coaches like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart do exceptionally well. Bobby's not good at any of those things. He's good at just playing the football aspect of it. That's where Sam comes in because Sam is good at those things. He is good. He's very good at talking up guys, even especially this past season where we really struggled. But you wouldn't know it to to Sam. Sam would never pin the blame on somebody or throw people under the bus. He's always trying to build everybody up. And so 
his style of coaching, in my mind, couldn't be more different than Bobby Petrino's style of coaching. And I think that is why they're going to go so well together. And, you know, and, and to mess him and, and, and to put the mesh point together with the other side of the ball with Travis Williams, you know, he has already showed that he is a brilliant defensive mind. So now we have a brilliant defensive mind and a brilliant offensive mind. Yes. With, with a head coach that is just a face. And yes. I, I just think it's going to be uh, something remarkable to see at the University of Arkansas in the coming years. Uh, I, we've been waiting for it. We waited for it for so long. And our, our time is coming. And, and, and I, now it's, it's vastly approaching, my friend. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it, Jackson. So, sure. anyway, so we're going to let that, obviously, there's no bowl game coming up. We're going to let that coaching trifecta that we have simmer for the next few months. And uh, we'll, we'll be back, uh, of course, if we have some recruiting developments, which I'm sure we will, we'll touch on those. But uh, right now I want to turn to the football that's still being played. And we just had the college football selection show earlier today. We know the top four. And we well, we know the rest of the bowls too. We prob- probably get to that in the next podcast because uh, this one here, I want to focus on the top four teams, the college football playoff, and they are in this order. Number one, well, let's 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 go to let's first mention what happened in the championship games for uh, anyone who's been living under a rock in the sports world for the past uh, few days. Uh, First night, Friday night, st- everything started off in Las Vegas, and uh, Washington Huskies did it again. Pulled off another close, close but win, uh, and fairly convincing. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't look. It was it was Washington Huskies handling business against the Oregon Ducks, and um, and uh, and so that that started off the. Uh, selection selection process right there with Washington in my mind uh, punching their ticket and I always felt like Washington was in danger of being left out if they were undefeated I think the win over Oregon just left no question when you beat a team of that caliber number five in the country going into the last weekend and you beat them twice uh, and you're undefeated uh, not to mention the wins over USC Utah, uh, Oregon State, Washington State, the list goes on. Washington could not be left out. Right. 100% agree. Uh, definitely 100% agree with that. Uh, and it was a good game. Uh, can't take anything away from Oregon. I thought that, uh, you know, Bo Nick did make some mistakes, but, you know, mistakes do happen. Uh, but the teams that win those games overcome the mistakes, and that was Washington. Uh, as you said on Friday night. Absolutely. And, you know, most people predicted, as I reminded you on this podcast uh, vehemently last week, most people were predicting that Oregon was going to win that game. But there was one pundit out there, happened to be in the state of Arkansas, who did not agree with that. And, uh, in fact, believed Washington was going to win that game. And I believe that was you, Jackson. Uh, well, you know, I just I, I had I had a feeling because of what I seen in, in the first game, although Washington was playing at home, that that Oregon 
just could not figure out a way to beat Washington. And uh, I'm guessing that we're going to take another walk down memory lane. Uh, Absolutely. We sure are. Should, should we roll the tape? Uh, roll that beautiful beam footage. <laughs> another place where we disagree. Washington already has the recipe to beat Oregon. Oregon does not beat Washington this weekend. Well, I'm just saying, if, if that happens, yeah. and there's, I, I, I believe, I want to say Oregon is favored, but are you calling, are you calling the Huskies? Because Washington's going to win, and, and you know, Bo Nix has played a great season, and nothing, take nothing away from him. He, he did the right thing in transferring, getting away from Auburn. But at the same time, he's got one more demon he's got to play because he chokes in big games. This is the biggest game of his college football career, and you're not going to get the best Bo Nix. Hey, I, I got news for you, Jackson. I got news for you. And, and that's, that's a, uh, let me. So, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is fans. And, uh, and, uh, as you can tell a little bit there, I, I tried, <laughs> I tried very heavily to talk, talk him out of that call. But, um, in fact, let's, uh, let's, let's continue, continue on with a little bit further. Tell you. That might be your upset of the week. That might be your upset special because the, the morning line right now on, on, on that game, Oregon by nine and a half. They're not even the, – the, the people in law – and by the way, it's being played in Vegas. But Vegas is not expecting this game to even be close. They're not expecting the Huskies to keep it within a possession, within a possession of Oregon. They obviously didn't watch the first game. <laughs> so, so <laughs> he was Jackson was very confident in that call. He didn't back down. Said, "Hey, anyone who thinks Oregon's going to beat Washington this weekend, they didn't watch the first game." And what do we have? Just like the Duke call, action Jackson, folks. You need to start listening to him because uh, this this man knows something about sports. If uh, if all my calls and predictions from the whole season were that great. Uh, I'd probably be paid for this, and obviously the checks haven't started coming in yet. But uh, but always always great to to play the to play the good ones back because I know we would have plenty of bad calls I made too. Yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're, hey, there are a few bad ones, but uh, let me tell you, these past two calls of and Duke and Washington, what made them so great for me is the fact that I was stoned. I, I thought you were crazy on both of them. I mean, I really, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've liked the Huskies all year, and I think I, I kind of wanted that to happen, but I just did not think they were going to stand up to Oregon after what Oregon did to Oregon State. And, uh, yep. and then, of course, Arkansas being down its best player. I, I just, I frankly couldn't even see it happening. And you flat out called it on the air here, recorded online. And, um, you know, it, it, it just happened exactly as you, as you called it. So, no, beautiful. Let's not, let's not give, give, don't give me all the credit because I, I, I think you, I think you have something else in your bag of tricks that, uh, uh, I, I think I think you put you put some good footage out there too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I, I just mentioned that, that Washington they they got into the playoff with a win over Oregon. Then we had later on, actually late last night, Michigan played Iowa. I had a, actually a pretty bad call, and we're not going to replay replay that one. But um, I, where I told everyone Michigan was 23 favorites, I said, no way Michigan's beating Iowa by 23 points because Michigan can't score 23 points on this legendary Iowa defense. 
And, uh, well, final score, Michigan 26, Iowa 0. So uh, that's what happens when when you listen to Big Mo on something like that. You need to stick with action. That's why he's on this podcast, and and I'm just the color guy, basically. But but now Michigan, I did predict. Now, I didn't get the, the exact reasoning right, but I predicted the Alabama Crimson Tide to beat Georgia, not only beat Georgia, I predicted them to beat Georgia, and also predicted them to make the college football playoff. And so that, that and, and of course, that's the actually the four seed that ended up making it to the tournament, I mean, to the playoff, is Alabama. Alabama was four seed. So, so Alabama, Alabama, of course, pulled off a huge upset victory over Georgia, ending their 29-game winning streak with a 27-24 to rock-solid win over the Bulldogs in the SEC championship. Absolutely. And that put them now, but we're not done. We, we, then we go over to Dallas, where the Texas Longhorns took care of business in impressive fashion with a three-touchdown win. Over the Oklahoma State Cowboys, I think many people saw coming. Yeah, that would have been one of my bad calls. I I just have this dislike for Texas that goes real deep, and I didn't want them to win, and but they did, and now they get a chance to now they get a chance to prove it. Yeah, we're we're not going to play that one for sure, but uh, definitely not. Um, and then we also, of course, had the Florida State Louisville game. And um, and Florida State, you know, ended up they ended up beating Louisville with a red shirt freshman quarterback uh, who had never started a game before. But Florida State defense came up huge, uh, held Louisville to six points, and the Seminoles won sixteen to six to cap off a perfect thirteen and zero regular season and conference championship. So the committee was presented with a situation with who gets in. Obviously, Michigan and Washington were the top two seeds. Question is, what happens after that? And um, I honestly believe that they were going to put Florida State in. I thought, you know, with being an undefeated conference champion, that you just can't leave them out, especially with two. They had two wins over SEC opponents, a three touchdown win over LSU, and then another uh, win at Swamp in Florida against their rival. Uh, but but that's not what happened. And uh, honestly, I had predicted the, the the possibility of Florida State getting left out uh, the week uh, in our previous podcast. And so I, I think we got some uh, some footage of, of that discussion here too. You can play that. All right. Just like they pulled it out against Ohio State. Exactly. And uh, the one team that I'm rooting for to win to help to help with the chaos, I'm rooting for the Florida State Seminoles to win the ACC championship, be 13 and 0. Because nobody likes Florida State now without their quarterback. Everybody's looking for a reason to keep Florida State out when all they've done is win, 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 no matter what. 
and they pulled off obviously a nice win against the uh, the Gators. It wasn't overly impressive, but it was in the swamp, twenty four to fifteen. Won by more than a possession, convincingly. And that's the second SEC team they've disposed of this year. So in my mind, there's no way you can put an SEC team in over a 13-0 Florida State. Well, well, I got, I got news, news for, for our listeners. Uh, they put an SEC team in over a 13-0 Florida State. So that's that's how it went down today. Alabama made the college football playoff, and Texas made the college football playoff. And I think Texas I, – I was thinking more about how this all shook out, Jackson. And I thought to myself, if Alabama just doesn't exist, if you just – Take away that entire conference. Imagine that the SEC doesn't even exist. And you just have Texas against Florida. Two teams that haven't played each other at all this year. Texas lost to Oklahoma. I'm sorry, not Texas against Florida. Texas against Florida State. And you and you have Texas who lost to Oklahoma and Florida State who's undefeated. And you can only put one of these teams in. In my mind, it's a no-brainer that you're going to put Florida State in over Texas, even with, obviously, the injury to uh, the Seminoles' starting quarterback, Jordan Travis. You're still going to put them in at 13-0 and over, uh, over a 12-1 and Texas. And that's, what real, that's the only thing that gives me real disturbance about this decision that they did, because I, I do feel like ultimately they did get the four best teams um, but the, the, the thing is, when you add in Alabama to the equation, you know that Alabama is one of the top four best teams. Yeah. And, and you, you realize, logically, you cannot put them in to the playoff without allowing Texas in, too, because Texas beat them in Tuscaloosa. And there's no way, I mean, I, I, I believe me, there was a lot of talk on TV last night, people trying to talk about recent games and now that was a long time. There's, there's just no way to reason around it. Texas beat them by 10 points, by two possessions in Tuscaloosa. There's just no way you're going to be able to swallow that if, if Texas is out, Alabama's in. Right. So yeah. when you, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, the, the way that I looked at it after I seen the, the top four, I, in my mind, I, I put Florida State in their current condition without Jordan Travis can't beat any of the four teams that are in the playoff right now. They, they're they not better than Michigan. They're not better than Washington. They're not better than Texas. They're not better than Alabama. So, eventually, somebody was going to get left out that most people think would be deserving, especially an undefeated Power 5 champion. That's why the playoffs expanding now, and it's right on time because you don't have to hear these arguments after this year because the number 13 team is going to have arguments, but it's not going to be like this in here. No. But I, I totally agree with the – even though I might not like it, I, I agree with the decision made by the committee. And I have finally seen that Texas is one of the best four teams that are out there, and they're definitely more deserving than Florida State uh, because you want, you want the best four teams. You want the best – two games and you want the winner of those two games to play for the title and that's what you're going to get because I don't think Florida State can be competitive with any of the four teams that are in. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I 
basically agree with you. I think that Texas is a better team than Florida State. I think that Florida State, though, is probably more deserving than Texas is. And let's not forget, Florida State, you know, Texas lost to Oklahoma, and a lot of people want to say, well, Florida State didn't have to play in Oklahoma. Well, they kind of did. Florida State went into Clemson this year and won in Death Valley, which to me, that's an equal, if not tougher game than playing Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl for Texas. Good point. Good point. And so I, I do think Florida State is a more deserving team than Texas, but I, but I think Texas is better. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad that Texas gets in, and, and this for this reason, that this is what really helps me, is that Texas scheduled that road game in Alabama. And that is such a bold, I mean, that's such a bold, almost, you know, in college football terms, it's almost suicidal. If you're trying to win, make it to a college football playoff, the last thing you want to do is schedule a game like that that's pretty much unwinnable. You know, and they had to schedule it the year before. They didn't know Alabama was going to have a quote-unquote down year, which doesn't look like very down right now at all. But, um, but, but to schedule that game for Texas, that's such a bold move. And then to go in there, and to beat them in Tuscaloosa and, and walk the walk, you just have to you have to reward that. You have to reward that boldness. Um, and Florida State, yeah, you, know, you have to reward Florida State scheduled LSU. Of course, they've got Florida every year as the rivalry game. But Florida State didn't have to schedule LSU, and they whooped them by three t- three touchdowns. So. I see it both ways, and of course, Alabama beating Georgia. I mean, you you can't understate that win at all. That's that's that are overstated. It's so huge. Um, I, I still struggle with it, but I the the committee did it exactly right because the problem the committee created, problem that they created, is that if Florida State ends up winning their bowl game. You're going to have a 14 and 0 conference champion who was never beat throughout the regular throughout the season, and there will always be an argument that they're the, they're really the, the best team in college football. That's the whole purpose of the playoff is to determine who is the best team in college football, basically without any argument. But the committee. They were brilliant. They were brilliant. They did exactly, and this is why I can I can swallow this whole decision of leaving 13-0 Florida State out, is they put them in the Orange Bowl, and they paired them with the Georgia Bulldogs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so let, let me throw that out to you, Jackson. Uh, I, I hate to uh, talk about the Orange Bowl before we get to playoff games, but what do you think is going to happen in that Orange Bowl? Well, it's, it's definitely uh, that, that's not a game that I want to be as and if, if, if I can put it that way because, you know, you're probably going to have a, a, a what, a redshirt freshman quarterback playing at that Georgia defense. I, I don't like Florida State's chances. Uh, I, I, I would definitely have to side with the uh, two-time, uh, obviously not that they're, they're defending champions, but they won't get a chance to defend their title. Uh, I would definitely have to say that the Bulldogs uh, definitely win their Orange Bowl over Florida State. 
I, I totally agree with you. And if that happens, then you have completely cut off Florida State's gripe. You only have – the committee basically, if Georgia beats Florida State in the Orange Bowl, like we both expect that they will, then you only have to listen to about four weeks of bellyache. You don't have to listen to years and years of it is if Florida State went undefeated about how they were excluded and they're the real national champions. If Georgia beats Florida State in the Orange Bowl, then the committee has done its job. You just found out that Florida State is not as good in their current situation without their starting quarterback, which is how you have to evaluate them under the guidelines. You just found out they're not as good as the Georgia Bulldogs, and the Georgia Bulldogs are the team that Alabama just beat. So logically, and of course Texas beat Alabama, so you just follow the logical chain, and it destroys Florida State's argument for getting into the playoff. It's brilliant. That's a great point. That, I mean, that is a, that's the most brilliant breakdown that you'll hear anywhere of what went on, folks. And so if you're not listening <laughs> to us, I don't know who you're listening to because we have it going on. Uh, but, you know, and, and, you know, I know we have, like you said, four weeks to discuss this, but uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm torn at, at who I want to pick to win this playoff. But, you know, my gut has, has you know, hadn't failed me recently. So I'm going to say that, you know, just real quickly, Alabama beats Michigan. And I'm going to say that, that, the Texas Longhorns ride is finally over, in my opinion. They they will not they will not have enough firepower to keep up with Michael Penix Jr. I think Alabama's going to play Washington for the title, and I think Nick Saban's going to win another college football playoff. Alabama over Washington. And, uh, and uh, speaking, speaking of that, that Alabama Michigan matchup, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that. I, I did call that one last week. I, of course, I called Alabama over Georgia, and I saw Alabama sliding in as a four seed. So um, I, uh, I think we might have to roll back some 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 Dean footage on that one. What do you think, Jackson? Let's roll it, roll it back, my friend. So we're going to see. We're going to have an Alabama Michigan a Michigan Alabama first game, and then we're going to have a Texas. All right, let's, let's kill, let's it, kill right it, it right there. Kill, kill it right there. Kill it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Texas in there too, but uh, yeah, but I did not see Washington being Oregon like you did. So, um, but yeah, um, Alabama against Michigan. I've, I've got to be rooting for Alabama. I, I think it's it's a South versus North type thing. If you're from the SEC, you got to root for your SEC champion. Alabama is basically playing for the whole conference at this time because one of the big reasons, obviously, that they let Alabama in over Florida State, which you can't understate how huge, hugely controversial decision that is. You're not just letting one one-loss team over an undefeated conference champion. You're letting two one-loss teams in. And a huge slap in the face to Florida State, even though I do think it is the right decision. But Alabama's basically been given a chance to say, look, the SEC has won the last four national titles. They've won 12 of the last 16. We're going to let you slide in as a four seed, but we're going to make you play the best in college football right off the bat. You're going to have to play Michigan. And then 
even if you beat Michigan, you're going to have to play the bad, the second best, which is going to be the winner between Washington and Texas. So you're going to have to run the gauntlet. You're basically going to have to play the best two other teams in college football and prove that the SEC is really the greatest conference. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And I think anyone from the SEC, like we are, lives in the South, you got to rise up and say, look, Alabama's playing for all of us right now. They're playing to show what this conference is about. And in the future, if there's an Arkansas, say, on the cut line between 12 and 13, remember what happened when they slid Alabama into that tournament at number four. Remember when they took on Michigan and, and beat Michigan. Maybe we should give Arkansas or, you know, insert whatever SEC team is there on the cut line. Maybe we should give them a chance because they're an SEC team. And so I do. I, I want Alabama to win that game. Washington against Texas. Whoo, that's that's a tough one right there. Um, I'm I'm going to have to go with the Longhorns in that one. Uh, I think you've got Alabama against Washington. Uh, I, I I think Texas is. Um, you know, I hate I hate to see an Alabama Texas rematch. In the, in the championship game, but at the same time, I kind of would like to see it because the whole time Alabama's been arguing, look, we're a different team than that team that lost to Texas now. And I'd like to see that play out on the field. And, uh, you know, Washington, hey, it's, it's not going to be easy for Texas to beat Washington, but um, I, I would like to see it happen. I, I'd like to see uh, a, a future, and of course, you know, next year with Texas joining it, joining the SEC, it just makes us stronger. Right. You know, and you know, and, and then you know, if Texas was to win the title, you know, uh, they they have an early season or you know towards the beginning of the season next year, they they've got to come to Fayetteville. And so, I mean, we could possibly host the, the national champions. Yeah. Uh, on the hill, and yeah, but you know, I, I just see, you know, after what I've seen at the end of the Alabama Auburn game and the way they uh pulled off the win against Georgia, I just think that Nick Saban is right back where he's supposed to be, and uh, it's going to be very tough to beat him uh, out of this playoff, even as a four seed. Well, I will say this: I, I feel like Texas, of all the teams out there, of the three teams, the only one who has anything close to home field advantage, because obviously. Uh, Michigan and Alabama are playing in the Rose Bowl out in California. No home field advantage there whatsoever. And, um, of course, Washington's having to go to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. But Texas having to go to New Orleans, that's pretty close to home field advantage. There's a lot of Texas fans in Louisiana, and that's not that far of a drive at all from Austin to, uh, especially by Texas standards, that's a lot closer than trying to drive to El Paso. So probably closer than trying to drive to to, uh, to Abilene, and I think uh, definitely uh, closer than trying to drive to Amarillo. So, you know, Texas might as well be playing in-state because um, yep. they're, they're going to they're gonna pack the house at the Superdome. Yes, I, I agree with that. And uh, I, I just, you know, I've, I kind of feel like the way I feel about Washington, like I felt about <laughs> last year, I, I rode – I rode TCU all the way to the title game and when they got annihilated by Georgia. And that's how I feel about Washington. I just think that 
Washington has been on a mission, and they they beat the best team in their conference besides them, not once but twice, and now they're going to get a chance to play the best in the Big 12, and I think Washington's up for the challenge, and, you know, uh, there's there's a long time between now and then, it seems like, you know, uh, three and a half, four weeks before those games are even played, but uh, I, I definitely look forward to it, and I, and I think that, you know, all the arguments aside, I think the committee once again got it right. Uh, we'll, we will witness the best four teams play for the play for the college football national championship. I think so too, and I think the SEC with Georgia, I, I'm they, they've also created to me a fifth bowl to really get excited about because Georgia and Florida State that is basically the bowl between two Southern conferences' pride, right there. That's the ACC's pride against the SEC's pride. SEC is saying our second best is better than your best. And the ACC is saying, no, we shouldn't have been left out. Well, they get a chance to prove it. If you don't think you should have been left out, then go ahead and beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Because the Georgia Bulldogs weren't one of the top four either. And if you can't beat them, then, you know, here's your can of shut-up sauce. Georgia's got to feel, you know, they've got to feel a little, uh, you know, they they definitely got a chip on their shoulder because they're the two-time defending champions and they don't even yeah. get to defend their defend their gold. So, yeah. Well, well let's let's talk about them, Jackson. I'm glad. It'll be a great game. Hey, I'm glad you brought up the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm glad you brought them up because let me tell you, we've talked a lot about Alabama. I think Georgia is one of the top four teams in the country. And maybe it's just because I'm from the SEC. Um, maybe it's just because they won 29 games in a row, and the only game they lost was to an Alabama team that, under Nick Saban, is 9-0 and in SEC championships, and they only lost by three points. And that can happen to anybody. I mean, that could, you know, any good team can, can suffer, you know, a a misstep. Well, let's not forget Texas's misstep. Now, Texas did beat Alabama on its home field, which again, that's the only thing to me that prevents a scenario that you talked about in last podcast from happening, which is Alabama and Georgia both getting in. That's what would normally happen, except for the fact that Georgia lost to Alabama on a neutral field, but Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And that's what allows a one-loss Texas team who lost to Oklahoma, which is a worse loss than what Georgia has, to get in over a one-loss Georgia, which is the most dominant by far college football program of this decade so far, the 2020s. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, and then, and then you know, it, it would have been, it would have been really bad if, 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 Georgia, if Georgia somehow gets in over Florida State as well, had uh, you know had Washington not taken care of business, uh, you know that that would have just you know there's no telling what kind of madness would have happened. Uh, and that's a head scratcher for me is that Georgia in the seeding with the playoff seeding they they ranked Florida State fifth, they ranked the top six, but they ranked Georgia sixth. And I'm scratching my head. How is Alabama better than Florida State, but Georgia's not? I, I think they're both really either you know either they're both not as good, and Florida State gets in, 
or they're both better because, yeah. you know, um, and I believe that. I think Georgia is a better team than Florida State. We'll find out soon enough. I think Georgia is a better team than Texas. And I think they're probably a better team than Washington, although I'm not sure. Obviously, I think Texas is going to beat Washington in the playoff. But I'm, 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 I'm a little – Washington just finds a way to win. But I, if you really hold, held my feet to the fire, I'd say Georgia is a better team than Washington. Let's, let's not forget, this is the first time in the history of the college football playoff that a team that was number one – they were number one – coming into this weekend and that they've fallen out of the top four because of one loss by three points to the the number one powerhouse football team in the past two decades, which is Alabama, you know, or, or 15 years. And also the first time the Power Five undefeated champion is left out of the playoff. So it only is logical and makes sense that those teams those two teams should play in the bowl game, which is what we had, Georgia against Florida State. Yeah. And so I think if you throw away all the records and all that, um, I, I'm not that convinced. Now, Michigan did look strong, winning 26 to nothing. They beat Ohio State. Um, I think Michigan probably deserves the number one spot with winning their uh, conference championship the way they did. I don't have any problem with that. But – I'm even. I would be considering Georgia for as high as you know, number three even, and maybe Alabama number two. If you're just looking at the actual strength of the teams at this time, you know. Yeah. Um, I can definitely agree with that for sure. To me, it's such a severe penalty that you win 29 in a row. And you drop one after the regular season, after you go 12-0, and 0, by three points, and suddenly it's the death penalty for your season. It's over. He lost that game and, you know, kiss him goodbye. You're, you're now sitting outside of the playoff. You went from number one, at the, the, the gold standard, Georgia Bulldogs. That's where we were two days ago. Two days ago. And you went from them into the gold standard to – uh, then they're not even top five. They're not even what? <laughs> Absolutely, and that's that's another head scratcher for sure. And you know, and, and I think that when they go out and play Florida State, you're it's going to be just. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad I'm not a Florida State fan. I'm just going to put it that way uh, because it's going to be uh, a, a probably very nasty game that's going to get out of hand for the Seminoles. Um, probably similar to something like. Georgia did at TCU in the title game a year ago, so that's I mean that's how I foresee that game going. I, I don't I don't see Florida State being very competitive at all, and which is going to be uh, the marking the writing on the wall that you didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Look what just happened to you without your starting quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be trouble for Florida State for sure. Yeah, I, I mean I, I I believe that's going to happen too. It's going to be interesting. Because it's going to be a case study for for future things. Uh, I tell you this: I'm not sure this would have happened if this wasn't the last year for the the four team playoff, because this does set an extremely dangerous precedent. Once you start putting multiple one loss teams in over a undefeated power conference champion like they did this year, you've opened up Pandora's box. 
because now at, with one loss, anybody can get in, no matter who's undefeated. You know, you you have to question what about Washington? Who has who did Washington play non-conference that you can judge them by and say that they're better than anybody in the East? Is Washington even top ten? Because if you want to just go by record, we got the the Liberty. Uh, help me out with the with the mascot, Liberty. Liberty Flames, maybe. The Flames, yes, the Liberty Flames. Thank you, Jackson. We've got the Liberty Flames at thirteen zero. Why are they not one of the top four teams? And people laugh at that. Actually, Liberty's going to be playing Oregon. <laughs> I kid you not. Liberty's playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. So um, that's going to be a great chance for Liberty to show. Hey, maybe we maybe we win this game. We're fourteen and zero. Yeah. Uh, much like UCF a few years ago uh, had an argument, you know, that maybe they should have been in. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just going to be interesting going forward. But you know, this is uh, one of you know one of our favorite times of the year. You know, with the with bowl season and the playoff, and you know, other other than March Madness, uh, you know, bowl season is there. And then of course, you know, we love March Madness, but. Uh, definitely love bowl season, and, and I know that you know we've we've got a uh, a bowl mania to, to, to come. So that's a little yes. teaser of things to come in the future. But uh, just a, just another great time to talk sports, and I look forward to a, a great playoff. Uh, going to be two great games, and, and uh, hopefully uh, you know a, a, a well deserved crown national champion when it's when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Absolutely, I think it will be. Now, of course, unfortunately, I've got some. You know, have to have to make a disappointing note that my Tulane Green Wave, uh, which I was hoping to to win the American Championship, they they got beat, and they got beat by a flat out better SMU team. They got beat by the better team, SMU. Didn't even have their starting quarterback in that game, but but their defense was dominant, and it goes to show what a team can do even without their starter, even without their starting signal caller, and so you know um, you can't necessarily discount a team for that at all. And I had to see it to believe it, but I, I did see it, and uh, it was it was definitely a great game by SMU, and, and, and give yeah. them credit. Yeah, it, it was. I think, I think Tulane's got a good team too. Well, we do, but and to add insult or to add injury or disappointment to more disappointment, uh, Tulane's coach has has left us. He's he's oh, left God. us, and to add insult to that disappointment, he's left us for Houston. Okay, oh, so man. yeah, that's that's not, to me not even a step up. So I don't know what Houston's paying him, but I think that's to, a step down considering where Tulane's been. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a step down for sure. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just extremely disappointed. I mean, obviously, a, an amazing head coach, uh, Willie Fritz, and he's not going to be calling. You know, not going to be coaching Tulane anymore. And you know, I don't know where the program goes. We're going to have a lot of guys coming back, but Tulane's going to have a hard time replacing them. They, they really are. Um, right. uh, you know, it's a sad day for Tulane football for sure. I don't think it had anything to do with the loss uh, against SMU at all. I think this was already in the works. Um, but yeah, uh, very sad. Uh, Tulane is now going where they went from all the way from. I was hoping that they were going to go to the Peach Bowl, 
because I was going to see them in the Peach Bowl. They went to Atlanta. Uh, turns out with Liberty going to the Fiesta, it's a 90% chance that they were going to go to the Fiesta. And I'm not, you know, that's in Phoenix. No chance of seeing them there. And they probably would have got waxed by Oregon there anyway. So maybe for the best. Um, but they got demoted all the way down to the Military Bowl. And, wow. and which is which is sad. I'm not even sure who the opponent is right now. I don't think they picked it, but very severe punishment. But I believe that the the champion SMU uh, of the American Conference they've been in a New Year's Six Bowl for I think six years in a row. And I believe SMU was going to go. SMU's ten and two with the, I'm sorry, they're eleven and two with the win over Tulane. And their only two losses this year have been against Oklahoma. And um, let me see, uh, Oklahoma, and there's another major conference team that they played, if we can pull it up here, um, who also beat them. But they did not lose a single game in conference. They were undefeated in the American Conference at TCU. They lost at TCU, and yeah, that's a bad loss given that TCU is not even going to a bowl this year. They also lost at Oklahoma, who's a good team. But again, Liberty didn't play anybody on their schedule who even sniffs being a major conference team. I mean, we're talking the best best game Liberty won was they beat New Mexico State in the championship game, and New Mexico State beat Auburn 38-10 to in Auburn. Or I'm sorry, 30, 31 to 10 in Auburn. So that's the best thing Liberty can say. But Liberty didn't actually play any team from a major conference. Here, SMU, to me, they get punished for putting Oklahoma and TCU on their schedule. They could have just scheduled, you know, uh, Carlton State or, uh, you know, uh, Arkansas State or somebody like that, whooped up on them, and then you would have a – 13 and 0 SMU right now, and there would be no doubt about it that SMU's in the Fiesta Bowl and that they're the representative for the small conferences. But because they went out and they scheduled big teams and didn't beat them, then they get punished when Liberty didn't have to play any of them. That that's not right in my mind. No, definitely not. And you, you know, you already made several points where you know scheduling matters and and, and how big, how genius was that. You know, scheduling uh, for Texas to go to Alabama. You know, it was. Genius. It, w- it wasn't genius. It was. It was downright reckless. But that shouldn't have worked. But it did. It, you know, it just. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, that's well. You may be right, and you, hey, you, you're right. If Texas, yes, if Texas does not schedule, they're not in the playoff game. Right. You're right. You're right. But. It shouldn't have worked out, honestly. I mean, what Texas' strategy should have been is to not play that game and beat Oklahoma. That's that's what the strategy should have been. Because that that game should not have worked out. If they would have lost that game, they're not even in the conversation. They're too lossless. But they, they were... That's the craziness and madness of college football, my friend. And, and that's how, yes, it is. And that's why we love it so much. And, yes. Uh, and, and we're going to continue to love it going forward because, I mean, there's just more and more – they're just going to continue to add more and more madness to it as we go on. Well, I just had to, had to mention here at the end that um, 
Not only did SNU not go to the Fiesta Bowl, which is where I thought they were going to go, either the Fiesta or the Peach, but they didn't go to any bowl that's even close to them. You know where 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 SMU got sent? They got sent to the Fenway Bowl to play Boston College, which is the biggest slap in the face that I can think of. You've got uh, an undefeated conference champion who just, you know, beat Tulane at their own field, 11-2, and two, and they have to go play Boston College, who, I'll be honest, I didn't even know they were bowl eligible until no. I saw their name pop up in the bowl. That's definitely a game I've got to favor SMU in. I'm just going to – I don't want to get into my picks so early in the bowl season, but yeah. I, I've, got, I've got to pull for SMU I just got to. Boston College Jackson is six and six. They they were three and five in the ACC, and they get the honor of playing eleven and two SMU basically in their own backyard in in Boston, uh, and and SMU has to play in the snow and dreary conditions of. Let me tell you, it's it's like some type of Russian Siberian punishment for for what for winning. All SMU has done is win ever since. I don't think they lost a game after September. I think their last loss was in September, and they've done two straight months of winning. Yeah. Well, they just have to go win. Horrible. I mean, yes, definite. You know, and, and not all the decisions that are made are, are great ones, and that's one of the ones that's going to leave us scratching our heads. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know what? What a what a great time! Even though we're not talking about a Razorback playoff appearance or a bowl game, it's still great to be a Hog fan. It's great to be a Wolf Wolfpack fan. Still great to ride the Green Wave and just look forward to this college football playoff and bowl season and and the holidays. It's just a great time of the year and college hoops and the Razorbacks playing well and. Always great to be able to chop it up and, and talk to a great friend about it as well. And just look forward to many more great episodes. I can only say amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. And, and, and don't, don't already, already follow, follow us. us. Uh, come uh, follow come us follow at the us Home Field Advantage, Advantage podcast, podcast on Twitter. On Twitter. We're, We're at, at Home, home Field. field. Underscore, underscore ADV. ADV. So, so uh, you can also, you can of, course, also of course, catch our, catch our podcast, podcast there, too. And, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see everyone again next week. Next week.